2: let's go
0: what's up everybody and welcome to Town tv we're so pumped for our fifth and final installment of the flanagan series in the flaniverse we're here to talk episodes one and two of the fall of the house of usher titled a midnight dreary and the mask of the red death and i know the squad is pumped It's the same four as it's always been. Paul's not on this episode right now, but I'm Kathleen. We've got Luke and Jimmy here. Paul will be joining us for the next few episodes. We're going to cover them two at a time, just like we've done on all the other series, Hill House, Fly Matter, Midnight Mass, Midnight Club. Mm -hmm. And we're so pumped. So before we get into just general thoughts, because I know we're all buzzing. We have like electricity coursing through our veins. It's October. We have a new Flanagan show. It's everything. Just want to say a little housekeeping if you're listening on the fall of the House of Usher specific feed, if you found us there by searching on Apple or Spotify or whatever, um, best thing you could do is hit subscribe. But we are Binge Town TV. So if you want to go to our main feed and subscribe to that, we're also covering all kinds of other shows. Like right now we're doing Survivor. We're doing Gen V, the boys spinoff. We just finished Wheel of Time and One Piece. And we've been doing this for a year. So we've been covering, you know, we have tens of 20s of shows or whatever. So hit subscribe. You won't be disappointed. All right, boys, let's get into the episode. I will start by saying again, just the cast alone is enough to make me just like electricity through my veins. I was texting the boys. I watched the episode first. I was absolutely buzzing. So pumped. I think this is so good. I think the parallels to Hill House are very similar. You know, it's like a family I think every episode is going to be a death of one of the kids. That's not how Hill House was, but it was like everyone got their own episode. So I'm really just fucking excited to be here and talk to you guys. So how do you guys feel?
3: Kathleen, you nailed it. The first thing I was going to say is the loyal Flanagan to his cast. And Mm -hmm. let's just hope that Willa Fitzgerald becomes one of the Flanagan loyalists because we... Love Willa Fitzgerald on this podcast. We watched episodes one and two. Thankfully, you know, thank you to Netflix. We had the screeners. Kathleen and Luke both didn't watch the trailer, so there was a lot of surprises for them, but it's packed. We go through these first two episodes, and you're just nailing one, two, three, four, every (laughs) Flanagan person you love. The only one Mm -hmm. we're missing, Luke, is your favorite. Nell is in here. Yeah, Victoria, but (laughs) just... I don't even need to, to list them off, but gosh, having them all here is, is awesome. I read from a few reviews, non-spoiler reviews, before we jumped on the screeners, that this could be as good or better than The Haunting of Hill House, and it could be uh, one of the best Netflix original shows in general, not just a Flanagan show. We've only seen two episodes. It's going to take a lot for me to say it's better than Hill House, but so far, my goodness, it's wild. It's horror, but it's not hard, just like every Flanagan TV show that you can ask for. He always makes it 15 different genres, and I am having so much fun with it. I can't wait to talk about it. Luke, let us know what you think.
1: This is the perfect Flanagan show to end because of all the buildup of all these cast members that we're talking about that we love so much. Because if this came out first, I don't know how how much excitement I would have because I'm so attached to these Flanagan actors. But yeah, this was a great start. And yet, when Jimmy you texted us saying there were some early reviews saying this could be the best Netflix original ever, the bar is through the roof. And like yeah, Kathleen, I big. didn't I didn't mess with any of the promotional material except for some of the stills that were just naturally coming out on social media. And all of it was Hot Mama, basically. Who's, yeah. Uh Give me the last name Carla Gino. Gino, yeah, I can never pronounce it. But <laughs> she was the one I knew, like, was going to be the face of. I don't want to say like the ghost or the evil of the series, because every still you saw, she has like the black eyes, like the classic ghost kind of guidance through this season. And I couldn't be happier that she's getting so highlighted in this show. And she's going to be one of my favorite pieces of every episode, because I'm sure she's going to be a presence in every episode. But so far, so good. Great start. Um, a little bit predictable in episode two. I'm sure, Jimmy, you probably had it pegged a mile away. I knew the second they said that we're going to connect into those, you yeah. know, like some of some of it's predictable, but some of that's like the beauty of it because it's predictable because it's so well written to be that way. And I think mm-hmm. no misses yet. All the actors are great. I love um, what's his name in this show. I'm, we're going to be all over the Raul place Coley. with me. I was going to say Raul, but then I was also going to bring up Frederick, oh, right? Fred. Oh, Fred- Thomas, Thomas baby. Henry Thomas is so goofy, and Broderick. he was extremely goofy in uh, Midnight Club in his little scene. But he's also goofy in here with his ponytail; like he's just yeah. great to see on the screen. They're all so good, and they make me happy. I'm happy to break down the episodes, though. So let's get into it.
0: Go check yeah, out just... our um our interview oh, with yeah. Henry Thomas. Yeah, so
3: we talked to Henry Thomas in between Midnight Mass and Midnight Club, I believe. Right? Or was uh, it Bly and Midnight Mass?
0: I think it was Bly. And Midnight no, I think Mass. it was Bly
3: and Midnight Mass. But yeah, yeah. Luke already brought it up. We may accidentally throughout this podcast call Carla Gugina's character Hot Mama. If you guys aren't fans of Town*, we've been doing this for three years. Like Kathleen said, we covered Haunting of Hill House and affectionately we called her Hot (laughs) Mama because she's the mother in Haunting of Hill House. So that's our little nickname for her. So if we accidentally call her that, that's who we're talking about if you're a new Mm -hmm. listener.
0: I will just say it is so funny and sort of fucked up of Flanagan to give us Midnight Club with all these children and then be like, and now they're fucking the adults.
2: (laughs) All these kids
0: are fucking uh, fucking adults. I mean, they're all in their 20s, obviously, but it was cracking me up. I'm like, Anya can't be Roderick's wife. (laughs) I thought it was like, before we saw the granddaughter and knew who it was I thought Juno was gonna be the granddaughter that was like Freddie's kid or whatever but it's not okay let's get started so in uh the first episode um we have this like, really sexy like Roderick and Augie big bad criminal spilling all the beans to the cop right and that is just sexy to me like I love someone who has all of the like criminal charges against him and he's like let me spin you a tail and I'm like yeah. I'm sitting I'm seated I'm ready to be gagged by this so in the beginning in the first episode the like culmination of the first episode really happens on New Year's Night, And so in the beginning, the first thing you see when the episode opens was like ticking down to New Year's Day. And then we cut to the funeral. We have Roderick and we have his granddaughter. And first of all, when they call him Grampus, I'm like, what year is it? I'm like what yeah. the fuck? This is the Edgar Allan Poe, isn't it? it? It's it's in normal time, obviously. Uh, we it's get actually cuts... a
3: little bit ahead. It's actually no yeah, they, November. They do a timestamp of November of 2023.
0: Yeah. So let's lots of different cuts to like crow sounds and scary imagery, which like doesn't pay off quite yet. But here's where, like, the paps are here. It, they're, Roderick's and Madeline are obviously this, like, huge family, big in the news. And then we get all the flashes of the newspaper clippings of everyone dying, all of the kids. So you guys cool with me ripping through the cast really quick. All right. Let it rip. So we've got Roderick Usher, who is the CEO, and then Madeline Usher, who's the CEO, and they are siblings. So first, I thought they were going to be married, but they are not. They are siblings. Then we've got Arthur Pym, the Pym Reaper, who's the lead attorney and just like obviously is huge scumbag. Love him. Mark Hamill.
1: My gosh. Luke Skywalker, baby.
0: I know, right? It's fucking insane cast. And then, okay, and I'm going to go in order of the death. So we've. We're covering one through two. If you haven't seen episode two yet, you're going to get spoiled. So you might want to go watch episode two. Prospero Usher, a.k.a. Perry, died on uh, November 9th in a freak accident, which we have seen. Everyone hates Perry. He's the guy just trying to open clubs. He was a mesh in Midnight Club. So he's a returning character. Then we've got Camille. And then she has a different name. It's hard because we had the um
3: yeah, it's, embargo it's thing Le, on top. Le Espinay. Yeah. It's like L apostrophe, okay. But yeah, we have the screener so, even the subtitles are off. Yeah. And
0: I, I will say, I say this on every flan again. I got spoiled for *Blind Matter when I imdb would something. So I'm never yeah, IMDB. Yeah. Okay. So uh she died on eleven eleven, which is sad. Cause I feel like her episode's gonna be next. I want Kate I want yeah. Kate Siegel to be in every episode. She's so hot so with this white hair. It's yeah, so crazy. So good. So it's an heiress killed in gruesome incident on the paper. Then we've got Napoleon Usher, a.k.a. Leo, my boy, your uncle. I love him so much. He died on the 13th. And then it said suicide of the gaming prince. Next, we have Victorine, uh, who is Hannah from, from Bly Manor. A fa- we all fucking loved Hannah. Uh, Murder, suicide rocks, the Usher family, meaning Victorine and Alessandra, her girlfriend or, or, partner whatever it is then we've got tamerlane usher dead in bizarre tragedy another one of our girls she was in midnight club and she was steven's wife in in hill house um mm-hmm. so that's the fifth fatality and then last is is freddie boy our boy henry thomas with a ponytail um november 18th so i think the funeral. This may be like the 20th where we're having this. It's only been a few days after where Augie's, the assistant U.S. attorney is C. Augusta Dupin, a.k.a. Augie. And, you know, the, he visits, he's drinking the million dollar cognac and we're getting into it. So before we dive into all of that, let's, you know, any comments you have on all of that stuff?
1: Let's what are we coining the FBI investigator as or not FBI? Augie. Whatever? Augie, we're going to call oh, him. Yeah, Augie. that's what okay. they call him.
0: And it, and okay. they do have that in like parentheses if you listen on or watch on closed captions.
1: Um, He is going to be a great presence. I can already tell because the, the punchline at the end of episode eight is going to be all about his reaction to this story, like in this room, kind of how Flanagan works. And I like that we even got a little bit of his backstory We'll talk about that too. Cause he was mm-hmm. swat. Like he was a great, like just go getter. And I'm watching suits kind of gives me vibes of like the, <laughs> the guy, the main character there, just a go-getter, like young trying to come up in the investigative make world and make his yeah, exactly, make his mark. So he's at the end of his like veteran career, and it's nice because he's gonna obviously book Roderick at the end of this series. So I like this back and forth. It anchors us to reality, and it's just a good way to present all of this in hindsight.
3: I think that. <laughs> If I just list these people and talk about how much I love them, we could talk for five hours. Yeah, so I guess as we go on through the episodes when they have a great scene or something, we can yeah. gush and talk about how much we love them. But they just ooze charisma each <laughs> one. It's unbelievable, especially Raul, like him being Napoleon is killing it for me. <laughs> It is it is so good. I, I but yeah, Kathleen, get started because it, I'll just okay. keep rattling them off. Let's mm-hmm. talk
0: about how everyone's gay. Augie's gay. Leo's gay. Every single I mean, every gay. single
3: character, right?
0: <laughs> They're almost every all of them are at least except in like a poly- so far,
3: right? So far, only Frederick, right? Because I think every other character we've seen is either um, has a partner or is playing that on both sides. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, napoleon with his you know yeah. with his whole scene where he's just sitting there talking to his boyfriend on the phone and then all of a sudden the girl comes up from from under the screen like my gosh hilarious as he's
1: playing mortal kombat
3: uh, yeah, i was gonna say yeah. was
0: that mortal kombat i yeah. love that i, I love how love that. you said
3: earlier kathleen fatalities all these fatalities <laughs> <laughs> i thought of mortal kombat right away
0: <laughs> okay augie <clears throat> sits down first roger has to waive his right to attorney so this whole part is basically just saying like He's going to give a confession to all 73 charges. It's really setting the scene of how bad of a guy. And this is like really relevant to real life. I think Flanagan does that so well. Like pharmaceutical people and companies are fucking terrible. Like they're Millions of people have died This is all basically based in fact in real life Like just because it's not Fortunato company It's this or that or whatever Like any right. pharmaceutical shit you watch It's so terrible Um, So I love that he's like Attacking them for this really It's like they're such pieces of shit So it's good stuff. And he's gonna tell Augie how they died. Um, but first we get a flashback to nineteen fifty-three, um, where you've I guess first find out that Madeline and Roderick are siblings, and then we get Mrs. Dudley as mm-hmm. a line. And another alum. And, I know and
3: another alum. I love it. We see the, the sister as a, um a young young Cheryl. Cheryl from Honingville mm-hmm. House. Amazing. Yep.
0: Basically, the story here is that. She was the personal secretary of the CEO of this pharmaceutical company. So the pharmaceutical company they eventually own, William Longfellow, she worked for him specifically. He was a piece of shit, Mr. Dudley, man. Normally, he's like inspiring and like telling these big speeches. And he was like a real piece of shit in this one. So everyone's getting to play all different kinds of characters. Anything you guys want to talk about? Like, I want to specifically get into the grave digging of it all. Like, that's where I want to focus. But like. Anything on on Eliza, the kids, anything?
1: My only thing I want to just put out there is that I was getting hints that Mr. Longfellow was the father of these two in some way, like was like because there was some weird non-dialogue dialogue dialogue parts between Mr. Longfellow and the mom. So there's something more there. We got to get a little bit more information about the background because. I don't know. I felt like there there could have been more there. And I don't know how that would play in or matter at all. But it seems like there's there's something weird because they're also talking about the dad constantly. And I don't necessarily Mm, know if we have any information on that yet. But that's the only piece I wanted to bring up.
3: I love that, Luke. I was going to say the same thing. She has a a circumstance where she tells her kids, you will not go onto his property. When he sees them, he freaks out. He doesn't want it seems like he doesn't want the wife to see them. Later in episode two, when we get the flashback with QB1 talking to his wife, I guess. I I guess that's his first wife, the mother of the first child, and his sister, and she brings up like you know, and your dad, and and she's like, Oh, you told him, you know, that kind of stuff. It just Mm -hmm. seems perfect that he would be the father. So Mm -hmm. Luke, I love that. Well, they were obviously you said said
1: first kid, but wasn't there two kids in that scene later? Like we saw the little
3: was that oh, Maddie's so the, kid, or was uh, that? So the, it's it would be it would be Frederick probably, and also um, probably Tamer Kate Lane. Siegel.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, oh Lane. no.
3: Well, no, because if you said the heiress died in the in the clipping, yes. it probably should be Kate Siegel's character. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Camille, because they they do say um, he later says six kids, five mothers, so that makes sense. Right. Right. Mm-hmm and um, she's
0: an alum too just fyi the mother she's a couple stars she's like the crazy um oh my ghost gosh from Hill House. yeah and she's also they, in she's in a few different ones
3: every time she's in one of these shows i don't recognize her <laughs> it's crazy
0: because she's always done up differently this is like yeah. the first time she's like purely natural yeah
3: mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome this is where the horror starting to come in mm-hmm. and it's obviously you know Crazy that we have the mother who was super religious, don't give me any medicine, don't give me any care, and then it turns out that her two children get corrupted and become huge on pharmaceuticals, and whether it's true or not, QB1, when he has his, I guess I can't really call him that, so young Roderick, when he has his pitch in episode two, When he says, you know, I watched my mother basically deteriorate in so much pain and blah, 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 whether that's a true statement or not, we don't know how much of a bullshitter Roderick is. But that was probably one of his big inspirations and motivations to start this company, besides the fact that he wanted to become a big dog in the world, you know, just having his mom just deteriorate and be in so much pain towards the end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he he pitched that beautifully in episode two, and he was like, I mean, the, the one thing you should do when you're pitching something to a man like someone with a God complex is to be like, you're going to be the Messiah and then give like a yeah. sob story at the end of it to make it feel like, oh, man, this guy's really in it for for a good reason. And man, hook yeah. line and fucking sinker. But anyway, back to this, <clears throat> something we didn't see was so uh, the first scene is 1953, and then we jump to 62 when she's sick. So somewhere in there, she gets sick. But I think something even worse happens between the Dudleys. I'll call them, but more like Eliza and William, because it is like brutal when they go there. He is just like even more scathing and fucked up than before. And obviously, we we have to talk about like uh, them burying her and being like, is that like what? No one's gonna ask questions that like you just buried your mom. Where's your mom now? But yeah. I do want to talk about just Madeline as a character. Is so fucking lit. Like her as young Shirley, her as Willa, and her as the older character, which I forget um, her actress's name. She was from Grace Mary McDonald. Mary yeah. McDonald. Oh my god! Like what a fucking cool character. Like just a savage. Like almost sociopathic. Oh she's good She's so good And young Cheryl It was really nice To see her again Like as in like An older teenager With like this Mm -hmm. like Honestly Same kind of vibe As young Cheryl She was very serious too But oh it's good It's good stuff
1: And this is kind of Where I just want to point out One of my complaints I guess of these two episodes Besides the name Too long Hard to remember sometimes All the thes and the ofs You know Whatever it was (laughs) The only thing I want to say Take it up with
0: Edgar Allan Poe
1: Exactly Um Because when I was first writing the names down, I was missing a the somewhere. Uh, either way, yes. what I wanted to bring up was I felt that there wasn't enough scary yet, but okay. this part was actually scary with the mom. Like he's so good at these, at the cinematography of this piece. Like you, like you could see it coming a mile away when it when they follow the mom's footprints back inside, and then Cheryl starts freaking out, and like you could tell a mile away it was going to be a jump scare kind of moment like that. Oh, yeah but it still felt good cuz this was like sort of i was getting possession exorcist vibes kind of mm-hmm. a little bit uh doesn't seem like we're going to lean that far into it cuz she's you know we're already past that part but overall i want more horror and i'm sure we'll build up to it but but so far this was partially the scariest part of the first two episodes i don't know is that what you, would you guys agree um,
3: so i was actually going to say that it was definitely less horror than i thought so far yeah. and i mm-hmm. tweeted on our bens town account that this show is wild, especially after episode two. And then I said, it's not just horror. And it really is, especially episode two. Mm -hmm. By the time we were in, and and I'm sorry to jump ahead, but we're in the club scene and it's towards the end of the episode, right before the big ending. And obviously Carla Gugino, her character, Verna, is horror. But I was like, there's nothing horror this entire episode so far. And then, you know, and it's still not really that horror you know, the ending it's, it's hard, but it's not like the way you would think there's the, I thought I, I loved is purely Flanagan. When we have the mom behind Augie when they're Mm -hmm. talking and he says, I'm not going to turn and you can see her walk away. Mm -hmm. And then of course, in episode two, we have Perry before we get the reveal of how he dies. We have him behind Augie as well. And those kind of things are awesome. And I, and I did think that when this, seen happen that this was going to be way more horror than i thought and it actually yeah. goes reverse it goes less horror but it, it was awesome i i really enjoyed it and kathleen like you're saying you know 1953 i guess you know yeah where's your mom you know she dies they don't want to call the cops yeah. or go to the hospital so they just yeah. freaking dig a hole and bury her i don't know the but family I mean, you're telling me <laughs> you're telling me that it's storming lightning we just buried our mom, and we're sleeping in bed together. And I would not be sleeping that night. Your mom is dead in the backyard, and it's storming and lightning out. I mean, that was pure horror. Where you know the lightning strikes, the thunder rumbles, the uh, young Roderick jumps up, looks outside, holy shit, there's n- the grave is torn up.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this. Obviously, she was dead. Like it's not like sh- they they thought. Oh, fuck. We buried our mom. She wasn't dead yet. And she had to climb her way out. No way. She was dead. But the interesting thing is like the parallels between in the next episode when we get the young all young Augie played by Malcolm Goodwin, who's my boy from Eye Zombie, just like Raul Coley, their best friend. So I love that they like oh, have this connection. Okay. Um, and so Malcolm, like, kind of got his start, like, with these bodies being exhumed. Obviously, that has something to do with the pharmaceuticals. Like, they were taking a certain drug, I'm sure. Like, part of me was like, are people taking this drug, like, coming alive and fucking, like, just digging out of graves and being crazy? Or is it just, like, the pharmaceutical company exhuming their bodies to, like,
3: test on or something?
0: Yeah. Saving their ass
3: from, because they died from the pharmaceuticals and it's in their, bodies right. or they're using dead bodies. But I would say just saving their ass. That was my it, guess.
0: It's just an interesting parallel. While while I mean, it was pretty obvious that Eliza did not want to take any drugs. She was like, God will do this for me. God's my boy. I will be cured by him. He did not cure her. But uh, I mean, I don't think she took any medicine. So it's almost like what's why? Why did she <clears throat> come back alive? It, it was giving. She sleeps, she wakes, she walks from Bly Manor, like the footprints yeah. everywhere, mm-hmm. the mud footprints of fucking slabs. But I'm just really, really intrigued by that first one because Roderick himself says like this all started when pretty much on New Year's night. It's the first night they meet Hot Mama, but Eliza's been dead. So like what is the origin of Eliza coming back alive to like just kill William Longfellow like what do you guys think what's your theory
1: that's 100% what I wanted to bring up now because this is going to be probably a little bit of a tangent for us three but this needed to be talked about of just what kicks off the quote-unquote haunting of this family because I agree like that was the first sign of paranormal and why Mm -hmm. would it specifically haunt the Usher family if the mom wasn't involved with because my initial thought is that hot mama is like almost cosmic karma and she's out here to kill the all of the like that's why she was kind of in on murdering all of these high rollers in episode mm-hmm. two that were with perry because i think she's like this this embodiment of like karma and she's killing all these corrupt right. people and like jimmy even hinted at earlier they each probably have their own specific type of vice that is only relevant to the top one percent or the people that are you know all of this that, that's kind of like what i'm leaning towards right now but why would it be following them when they didn't kick it off whatever was kicked off was a result of the mom dying like this and coming back to life so i have no idea like what breadcrumbs he's putting out there that could lead us to believe why this specific family is cursed when it would be more likely to feel like it was Mr. Long, what the fuck's his name
0: Longfellow, William Longfellow. And
1: and that could go back to if he was the original corruption, Mm. if he's their father, then it makes sense because then it passes through the whole usher. That's like where I'm at right now.
0: That tracks. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I was going to say that these first two episodes, I really don't have any issues at all. I really loved it, but there's a possible issue if we don't get an answer to why the mom came back to life for that moment. We and yep. we, we have to, because it just seems so important. My guess would be maybe like you said, Luke, he's the father. So they're cursed through him. He was majorly corrupt. The mother loved him. He is uh like, I mean, we, we get the scene where the kids jump over the fence and, he grabs at the mom, right? Or does he mm-hmm. grab at the kid or the mom? He no, grabs the mom. At the mom and you know he's saying, What are they doing here? And then even Madeline is like, yo, bro, back off. Like, and then, and then um Roderick says, like, even she knew back then there was a problem with him. Like, he was acting with her like it would be somebody, not like his worker, not his employee. And if she loved him, and it might not be reciprocated, it obviously didn't seem reciprocated, but he just became the father you know he may have like i don't know tested some drugs on her or something and mm. she would be like okay i'll do it because she loves him and she just wants to make him happy or something and maybe the drugs have something to do with it too but i don't know i just i really do like how, the does, curse thing, how does that but-
1: connect to the supernatural though that that connects to the logical reason of why like everything's corrupt and all that but how does that connect to the hot mama
3: i think i don't okay i think if you want my theory i think hot mom is mephisto like i think they made a deal with the devil that's that's my that's my theory so i think that the night of, of new year's eve they you know verna is the bartender and madeline and roderick made a deal with the devil and whether it's i'm in as open I'm as in.
1: yeah <laughs> that's it whether that's it's as open it is. as
3: hey i'm the devil and let's make a deal obviously it's not going to be like that but i mean it just seems this. it seems like Mephisto, like you get everything you want. And then I'm going to slowly. Karma, basically, I'm going to yep. slowly take it away from you. And I don't know, though, where the mom and um what's his name again? I'm sorry. Uh, William Longfellow. Longfellow. Com- yeah, William Longfellow come in unless he's just the the start of the I'm corrupt and I am the dad. You know, maybe he made the mom sick by the drugs, to, you know, but again, it's. Yeah, I don't know. that. That's what I need the answer to. I need to know why she came back to life. Yeah,
0: I know for a fact my Flanagan's going to fuck us up with that one scene that tells us we're going to be like, no fucking way. I can't wait. I can't wait. In yeah. Flanagan, we trust. Okay, yep. let's move to the trial. There's a few things in between, but we'll chug along to the trial. So this is the U.S.— Versus Fortunato Pharma and the Usher Crime family which is like so sick I love it all these yeah, like yeah. fucker kids I love them they're all such pieces of shit They're divine I love watching them They pop on on screen but So this is the last time they were all together Roderick Says um, but basically You hear Augie do his like opening uh, Like he is the US And he does the opening speech And he's saying like 55,000 people died Because of greed and violating Regulations and ethics it's a huge Fraud case and the big mic drop is there's an informant in the inner circle now do you guys think he was lying i think he made it up i think there was no informant he just wanted them all to turn on each other and see what happens because i really don't think there's going to be an informant
1: that's a really good thought because that because frederick in modern day like the most recent timeline eventually i forget if it's in episode two or not implies that he still never found out who the informant was even after everybody died. So that's actually a really good thought. I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind. But I do love the idea of there actually being one as a TV watcher. It makes it makes it more fun for us as podcasters. And like try to you're trying out. to figure it out the whole time rather than it being like, oh, there was no answer the whole because we don't like that. We like we like to predict and theorize rather than it just being outside the box answers. But I do. It does kind of make sense that that could be the route based on the dialogue
3: later. It would be cool to find out that Augie, you know, we see it. Luke, you brought it up. You alluded to it. 1979. He's the go-getter. He's the straight arrow, except for the fact that he's willing to cross the line and, you know, pretend to be a cop to try to, you know, that's what he's getting in trouble for, even though he's not actually doing anything illegal. He's just saying, oh, you know, he saw the coat and kind of just assumed and he let me in. You know, there's a scene where Roderick is speaking with Augie and it's the early scene. And he says, you haven't even gotten me in a room. In all of these years, this is the yep. first time we're having a face to face talk. So to, mm-hmm. so it would be really cool to find out that Augie just decided, you know what? I can't beat them the straight arrow way. So I'm going to freaking bullshit them and I'm going to lie about the informant to shake them. And I guess it's not illegal. It's just ethically wrong, right. I guess. Right. you know, more, You know, so he ethically, morally lies, does something that he's not used to he hasn't done in all these years and that's what breaks them apart i think that would be a cool answer but like you said luke i would love there to be somebody yeah yeah just because i can't really i don't know though like i so far in two episodes they all just seem like crazy people but they don't seem like i can't figure out who the informant would be
0: it's not perry i'll tell you that it's not fucking perry Okay, so first of all, I just wanted to shout out um, Bruce Greenwood, who plays Roderick, because he's fucking killing it. Like what a great addition. He's a powerhouse as the like main main guy and narrator kind of of the show. He's killing it. But this is when we get flashes of all the different um, kids and like we get a little bit more information about them. So I could just rip it. So we get Freddie. He's the suck up of the family. He's the firstborn. Um, he has a daughter, Lenore, and a wife who gets more obviously focused on in, in episode two. He's so goofy and funny in this role; I'm obsessed. Um, yep. Next, we've got Tamerlane, so she's played by Samantha Sloan. Like we said, she has a husband, Bill T. Wilson, and he has like that like workout like company built yeah. or whatever. So funny, doesn't get along with Freddie. That's for damn sure. They all they all hate each other. Kind of is like how it goes. I don't Pretty think much. any of them are friends. But session vibes. Correct. And I was thinking, I didn't know what she meant by like, oh, I pushed the girl tonight. We're canceling it. I yeah. thought it was like, oh, it was just like a third. I had no idea it was going to be like role playing like we got in the second episode. I was like, man, these people are all like, no kink shaming at all, but these people have their kinks.
1: She's a cock, oh. right?
0: What'd you say? You know what
1: Basically,
0: she's like she likes to watch. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Precisely, but I wasn't. That's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, like in succession when like they were going to have a third, and at one point like, um, Shiv and Tom were going to get a third on the boat at that one in that one scene. Like that's just what I assumed it was going to be. Yeah,
3: the one that surprised me the most was Kate Siegel's because I just didn't think that when she said. I need you guys over in my house before dinner. She just seemed like a full on, like, I'm the boss, you're my employee. It didn't seem like it would yeah. be that. And then all of a sudden they walk in and she's talking yeah. and they're just in the background undressing.
0: <laughs> I know. In their skirts. I love their like kilts they're wearing. Yeah. Um, she looks so hot in the white hair. I can't stop saying she's it. So okay. Good. So Victorine is Hannah Gross, played by Tania Miller. Um, her girlfriend or wife or whatever is Alessandra. They're the ones doing this, like surgery with the devices. We can kind of touch on it now if we want to dig into that stuff, since we're already talking about it. Was the first the first thing they were doing was a monkey, too, right? Like they're not doing human trials, right? I didn't realize it was a monkey until episode two. Oh
1: yeah, so we a monkey.
0: Okay, I didn't notice.
3: So basically, what we find out in these first two episodes, especially through Perry's eyes, is he tells us that each child gets a loan or gets Mm -hmm. their I don't know if it's technically a loan or if it's just here's some money but they get a chance to pitch a business to their dad and if he likes it then they can move on and have this business and he'll give them the money for it and you can tell that each person has their own business I mean Raul Coley is playing Mortal Kombat and they say the gamer so I'm guessing he's in the video game business but Perry wanted to do do the, the nightclubs and dick she has this uh medical experimentation thing that she's doing and you know we also find out that roderick is very involved in this because he thinks i don't know if he knows for sure if he just thinks he might have that disease which is Mm -hmm. the cardiovascular alzheimer's and he's pushing her pushing 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 to get to human trials because this heart mesh that she's trying to make is something that may help him at some mm. point
1: bigger takeaway not bigger but a big takeaway from this scene that's definitely going to 100 come back into play is the talk about the new nightshade the new paralyzing powder that's potentially yeah. being used and this just kind of clicked right now what if the mom was given that and then she paralyzed herself and then so she never actually died so when mm-hmm. she was in the grave she kind of the paralyzing powder wore off and she got out that's the only thing i'm thinking about now connecting it to that that's but cool. that paralyzing like that if, if that's not the reason that it's being brought up, it's for sure going to be used to kill one of these kids at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. But just that's just right there for. I
0: would assume it's going to be her. Like if it's going to yeah. kill any of the kids, it would be her because. Right. Right. It's all going to yeah, be Yeah. my other
3: guess, Just really quick to go back. And all I'm going to say is my original guess was that they were going to bury their mom alive and actually kill her like themselves you know like you were saying kathleen that they were thinking they buried her alive and she broke out like my guess was just going to be that she was alive and then they just killed her you know because they didn't realize that she was dead or she they didn't realize she was still alive and they buried her and i thought we were going to see a scene where she's like trying to get out and she's gonna suffocate and die um you know, just another another guest that I had while we were watching, but she obviously that's not how it went. She broke out and kills our boy.
0: Yeah. Well, not our <laughs> yeah. boy in
3: the show, but our boy in general.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so we already talked about Leo. Uh Julius is his partner, and he, you know, the girl giving him head was just fucking iconic. I was like, what yeah. a what a king. Um, but we some of his line reads in episode two were some of the funniest of like all the flanagan shows is like the best things but we'll get to it when we get there um camille uh seems like a pr girly like kate siegel's character seems like just the pr girly we've already talked about um her assistants and them fucking and stuff um (laughs) and then we've get juno reveal is the wife so that shocked me to my core she cracked me up in these episodes as well she's just like so goofy and it just does not fit even for one second like the two of them together it makes no sense um
3: yeah and then- i i yeah i feel like we're gonna have to get more of a reason like former heroin addict and she's she's dying from a car accident and she's telling the granddaughter like <laughs> yeah. oh you're the one who made the medicine i could just blow oh my bad <laughs> <laughs> she just doesn't seem like she would go with roderick and i i would love to see Either flashbacks or separate scenes with Madeline and Roderick talking about Juno, because I feel like Madeline's probably like, come on, bro, what's going on here?
0: I think there's going to be something like she uh, like the crash has something to do with one of the kids or something like that. Like the crash was caused by this Usher family in some way. Like there's got to be there's no way he just marries girl or something with the medicine because she's been on an unprecedented dose of ligodone and then he was like probably impressed and was like what the fuck so we need to study her chemistry or something to mit- to see how this like works or whatever
1: that's what i took it as the second one yeah. was that she's like basically a case study and they need to re- and they need to fi- use her to figure out how to perfect the drug to save him i think is part of it
3: okay yeah. okay so what you marry her to like keep her close as like an actual off the yeah. books case study or
1: probably. she could be into it like she's Extremely addicted to this drug and will do anything to stay to keep getting it or something. I don't know, something like that.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. So, any thoughts on this Dr. Donaldson character? Because he's eerie. He comes in and then Roderick seems bummed out. And I think that it's probably Dr. Donaldson being like, Your test came back. This cardiovascular, uh, like dementia or whatever is, is progressing and that's what i assume but it is interesting like when he at the end of this episode when he gets the nosebleed they're like only dr donaldson he's the only one they're allowed to see what do you think why specifically do they only have this doctor i i really love the like sell your soul to the devil type thing and like dr donaldson is in on it and they maybe have like i don't know with like madeline talking immortality 24 7 there's something there that i'm like Who's this fucking doctor and why is why can they only see this one guy? You know, there's so many secrets.
3: At like very face value surface level, if you're someone like Roderick Usher and Madeline Usher and you're so high profile, you don't want any other doctors than your own because it yeah. can get out to the press. True. What's wrong with you? That's so surface level, but I like that it could have something to do with just the circumstances of maybe verna or their curse or something but my take was that he's like the personal doctor that's in it's like the mob like you know you have the chef and you have to have the certain people that might not be technically connected but they are the only ones that you have around because you can't afford leaks or whatever it is so um yeah when he falls and he's bleeding he says you know it's time it's time and she's saying you know block off the whole floor of the hospital and get us a private, keep it off the books and keep it out of the, out of the police radar or whatever the police calls or whatever. And, you know, only get this doctor. It just seemed like it was like more of a, like, keep this thing a secret, even though the mm-hmm. press was all over it. And when he fell, They're <laughs> taking yeah. a million pictures, but
0: I yeah. don't know. that makes total sense. Okay. So. We get a few, like, scares uh, from Hot Mama. She's also, like, I assume it's her with, like, the crow face up top at the funeral. Even though we don't get her face, it's got to be her. But let's talk family dinner. So the cake was so funny. Like, they're like, oh. Let me guess cake like it's like such a funny gag of being like what the fuck is going on because earlier in the episode she's like this always cheers him up. (laughs) It's like the smallest little things.
3: (laughs) Doesn't he say something like I wish the loan was for your cake business or something or if you were. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Okay, so the Pim Reaper hands out this, like, ironclad name, NDA, right? It's you forfeit your inheritance if you are the whistleblower or whatever. Um, they're going to basically kill you if you don't do it. And then Roddy offers 50 mil, which is, you know, to solve this. And it's going to start the bloodbath. But for some reason, I when that happened, I was like, oh, the kids are going to kill each other. But it yeah. doesn't seem like that. It seems like they're all going to die in their own separate ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all like because of Roderick, but I, I'm i not. Sh- Do you guys have a guess on who it is or no? You don't. You don't the have any guesses. Yeah.
3: If I had to guess, I would say that your guess was my okay top choice for this moment.
1: Now I'm in with that, too, and I hate it. Yeah. It's less fun.
3: <laughs> I right, put it's one on the board like, anyway. Could, uh, okay. So my put on the board would be.
0: I'm going to say Madeline.
3: Freddy. I'll say Madeline.
0: Madeline? That's
3: good because maybe she's mad at Roderick for going a different direction. And if he doesn't go her direction, she tears it down or something, but then she kind of incriminates herself. But well, I guess not. Like if you, if you're the informant, you get, OK, actually, I need to bring this up because I was dying. I was cheesing like crazy when Fred Frederick's talking about The Departed and they're saying that the, the <laughs> informant versus the mole and and uh, the daughter or is it the wife says, like, not everything's about The Departed. And he's like, there's no other better movie than The Departed. And that's just speaking to me because it's my favorite movie ever. But I mean, she could literally be Jack Nicholson's character where she's the big dog. I think she's the COO and he's a CEO and the big dog can be the informant. And if for some reason we don't know yet that she's not in line with Roderick, maybe she wants to take it down and and then she's the last survivor just because, I mean, she, all these kids are freaking his. This whole family is his. He, she has no kids, right? So she could be, like, pissed at him for just, like, adding more and more people to this business that could screw them over. I mean, we have Perry who... Like, I mean, she was pissed when Perry was doing the nightclub pitch, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have Napoleon, Leo or whatever. Some of them are just like some of them are more professional and some of them more are like crazy. And she might just be like, this is ridiculous, bro. I've been dealing with your shit for years. You keep mm-hmm. having all these, you know, I I feel like Madeline could be a good answer.
0: I like that answer. I'm going to stick with Freddie, though. i
3: just guess.
1: Yeah. Um... Who was the last one to die, Kathleen? Do you have that timeline? Freddie.
3: Freddie. Freddie. Freddy?
1: Damn. Okay. Cause I, I want to guess. Uh I don't think it's anyone directly in the family. I think it's Vic's partner, um, Alej- Alejandra. Alessandra. She Alessandra. wanted she
3: wanted the, the lawyer to look at, it, and everyone's like, oh, it's the wrong thing to say. <laughs> That's who
1: I'm guessing. Cause also okay. she was killed in the murder suicide, so there could be something there too. That's what it's like claimed to be in the paper. So mm-hmm. again, it's I totally think it's none of them now that. Now that that's planet in my head. So, but that's my guess.
0: Okay. One of the final scenes, it's New Year's Eve 1979. It loops back to the opening of the episode. It's Willa Fitzgerald and Zach Guilford. Um, Hot Mama enters as the bartender. It's the first time we learn her name, it's the first time we hear her actually talk in this episode. Um, and they just had done something bad. We don't know what they mm-hmm. did, but something bad. And they're planning off like they're just having a cocktail. They're going to talk a little, get some witnesses seeing them there. We don't know what they did, but it's sell sell their soul to the devil sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, but, sell
3: the soul to the devil happens that night. That means yeah. they didn't do oh, anything okay. yet. Yeah, or, yeah, I mean, true. I'm sorry. They didn't sell their souls yet. They did something before that. Um, sure. Which my that guess timeline would be... doesn't make sense because they did
1: the sketchy thing before, unless it's sell your souls to prevent the sketchy thing from getting out. Mm, right. Okay. No,
3: no. So what I'm saying is that Verna is the, the Mephisto, the devil. Yeah. So they don't yeah. sell it till that night with her. The before yeah. my guess would be after the info that we get from episode two is maybe they killed the the guy he was pitching to because Willa Fitzgerald was like, we are going to run through this guy. We yeah. are going to take his. I mean, I, they mm-hmm. end up being the big dogs of that. That's the company, right? That's yeah. Fortune Fortunato. I mean, that's how it, Fortunato, yeah. right? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. They end up taking over it. So I don't know. I mean, I would say maybe the the things that went through my head, or maybe they killed him, or maybe they somehow had a hand in him dying, or um, originally it was something about like maybe they were exhuming the graves, but I don't see that I don't see that anymore. I think it might be that they killed him, or some or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Vern is saying trippy stuff like we're sitting outside of time and space and like they're talking about the resolution <laughs> <to> Mars, dude. <laughs> yeah. And like the resolution is to change the world. We don't know, but the the like center of the universe is like sitting at this bar right now. So we need to know like that. We need to find out more about it, but we don't have much information
3: Right. And there is the scene later where Augie is speaking with Roderick and when Roderick brings it up, he's like, oh, that's like the night. And then he gets cut off like it yep. sounded like he was going to tell us. So obviously something happened where it's infamous where, yep. you know, he was a he was I guess he I don't know what he is at that time, if he's an attorney yet or if he's a. You know, whatever, if he he's probably out of fraud by that point in mm-hmm. his life, but whatever it is, he was aware of it. And it's an infamous situation that is yeah. unanswered.
0: OK, so. We let's end this episode. The six of them are all dead at the top of the church. We get that shot of them. Um, and then the weirdest thing about both episodes, I think, is this scary jester clown mm-hmm. in the that doesn't seem like it fits at all yeah. before he passes out. I'm like, that we need to find out but, more about. I mean, it was masquerade at the at Perry's thing, but other than that, I don't know.
3: But Kathleen, tell me what does he say when he's talking to Augie? If he has the disease, he sees hallucinations. So it could be anything. I mean, we're first of all, we do know that when he sees Perry, Augie has no idea what he's seeing because Perry doesn't see or Augie doesn't see Perry, but Perry gets right in Roderick's face yeah. and Augie doesn't flinch. Okay. We don't know if we're dealing with ghosts. We're not, we don't know if we're dealing with hallucinations, but the jester thing could just be, I mean, right before he passes out. It could be a mix. Like it could be yeah. that's what we don't know—the unreliable narrator situation, where some of it are hallucinations and some of it is the is the ghost. You know, we don't know. Like obviously, Verna, I mean, Perry could be hallucinating because he was freaking rolling face, but you know, <laughs> but like I mean, he was doing all these drugs. But I would say Verna is like, quote unquote, a ghost. I wouldn't consider her a hallucination. But yeah, you know, whatever. Great point.
0: That is unreliable narrators. Always got to think about that. So great point. Um, great jump scare We'll too. find out more.
3: That got. But me. there's yeah. a
0: reason he's hallucinating. That there's. It's not random. You know what I mean? Even if if he is hallucinating, it's because of something. So that'll right. be like a. Little... Oh,
3: okay. So you're saying yeah, it can't just yeah. be some random ass thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Moving maybe on. Maybe just he, the... maybe
3: he's just scared of clowns, Kathleen. <laughs> I am.
0: Who isn't? Okay. The Mask of the Red Death, episode two. Um, we already talked about a little bit about this, but we open with a young Augie. He's a junior fraud investigator. Um, the five graves graves were exhumed, five corpses missing in the part of a drug trial, et cetera, et cetera. So there's like obvious, uh, we find out like a ligadone to heroin pipeline. Obviously it's highly addictive, but marketed as non-addictive. That's like what this episode is about in like in the Roderick and Madeline scenes of this um, mm-hmm, episode mm-hmm. but this is the perry episode so welcome to the perry episode how do we want to start this perry episode how do your notes start because mines are like mines i like, mean we, like-
1: we just got the background from augie and and roger's conversation in modern time just saying he was the first one to die this is where i brought up that they never found out who the informant actually was it just kind of kicked us off right into him saying if there's one thing about perry it's that he was fucking crazy and then it goes <laughs> yeah. into like his whole lifestyle which I didn't actually get all that from the first episode. This mm-hmm. was like needed for his character development. You saw his little like post morning orgy, like all that stuff. You meet his, you meet the characters that are going to be re- linked to him. And the plan starts talking about like the business ideas and what they're going to do with the whole pop up club. That's like that whole beginning piece. Yeah. Probably not much to jump into there until we get, I think it's Good just meeting Perry, Perry going to the business meeting. And or I guess, but not business
3: meeting, I guess the yeah. lawsuit meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, our homie likes eggs, man. And don't mess <laughs> yeah, with his eggs. But here's my question: Technically, four kids are bastards, right? Yes. Or no? He got ma- Yeah, yeah. How many times was he married? Only once, and then to Juno, right? It's two times, or I don't know mothers, that we know that. Right? I think is Frederick right?
0: hates them all, and like so, he calls them the bastard. But like, he- Perry is like, "I'm the bastards' bastard." When Henry Thomas spits the line about like you're only here because a black, my father fucked a blackjack dealer on a yacht in Cannes 25 years ago. And you can tell like Perry's much younger than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is. Like he was an he's obvious. 25, yeah. 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 If you're an usher, you're an usher. It seems like blood, he's probably the, the same
3: <laughs> old as freaking Juno.
0: Exactly. So you can tell like he has a complex and it almost seems like maybe Raul does as well. Um, well, was...
3: that was what I was getting at. Like when they have that conversation where he's asking Napoleon for the drugs, and he says, you know, like, listen, man, I know what the deal is. You know, I know it's tougher for the bastards to to get up and show that they're worth something. I was just trying to think in my head, like almost all of them are bastards. Yeah. So true. And it, it basically what he's saying is if you're not the heiress or the heir to the throne of House Usher, then, you know, there's yeah, whatever. So they're all bastards. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Luke, I wasn't. Expect I mean, we find out they're all wild i mean that's the thing all the kids are wild every single one of them frederick is seems like the most normal which is crazy and you know the scene where perry is you know he's pitching the nightclub but then he goes to the the meeting and he's supposed to be shadowing frederick and you could tell frederick is the son like he's the non-bastard he's like the heir to the throne he hates the fact that the youngest kid quote-unquote bastard is shadow he's like you're only here like kathleen said i don't need to re-quote that but you could tell something was going to go wrong when he's saying we could use one of these factories or one of these warehouses Mm -hmm. for our our club and that was a good foreshadowing moment
0: dude it's literally like they're in the meeting and they're like this place is leaking toxins this place is all these places and he's like huh huh, let's just build something. Let's do a sex club here. Let's do debauchery. It makes no fucking sense. I'm like, Perry, you were in the meeting. They were, the reason these places need to get condemned and, and torn down is because it's a quite literally leaking toxins and poison. You know.
3: I just love the Pim Reaper character. This yeah, attorney is so good. And the scene where He's yelling at Perry for even speaking during the meeting. And then, he, you know, he starts spitting out what they answer. To, oh, it's and good.
2: And
3: the attorney, the Pim Reaper, starts, they're both saying it verbatim together. It's like, you know that they've been trained, whether it's media, press, attorneys, anything, you know exactly what you need to say to protect House Usher. And Perry's just like the lone wolf, like young kid, just doing whatever the hell he wants. But Mark Hamill is just freaking killing it yeah, as the Pim Reaper.
0: Totally. Okay, let's go to the Leo scene quickly because it's fucking iconic. We've got a few incredible line reads. So he goes there basically asking him to move a bunch of drugs, right? Like, obviously, Leo's like, I got guys, but I don't got guys. Like, I don't have guys to move, like, that much. Um, but he, and just like The Departed with Frederick, he's like, what is this, fucking Narcos? He's like, well, if you haven't seen it, it's brilliant. You should, it. <laughs> you should see it, yeah. <laughs> um, but... Is the Departed on Netflix? I'm wondering. I'm like, how do they, how do they get the like, you know what I mean? Because Narcos is on Netflix. Yeah. What makes you decide?
3: Yeah. I don't know.
0: But I, but when he's like, I'm a fucking stallion. I'm in my prime. You're in your 20s. You're 80% calm. I could smell it on you. I was like,
3: so good. Oh my god. And then of course, like, yeah. And then of course, like at the end, he's like, all right, I'll get you the Viagra. And he's like, I thought you said you don't have it. He's like, of course I have. I got a reputation. I got. <laughs> I mean I, the, I Kathleen, I you love Raul Coley. So when we and we yes. love him now, but when yes. he was in Bly, that was the first time I saw him because I haven't seen iZombie. Yeah. And obviously he's in Midnight Mass and everything. So he became my boy. Yeah. So seeing him from Bly and Midnight Mass, this is a totally different character. Yeah. And it's showing range for our man here. He is cracking me up.
0: He's pure comedy in iZombie, like he's fantastic. Well, I feel like he's pure comedy, comedy in
3: real life too. I feel like, yeah, he only, oh, like he, <laughs> he's just mm-hmm. a, a comedic man.
1: Is there any chance that they're gonna do the whole um, seven deadly sins thing? I know only six kids, but is there any way that they link hmm. it to that? Where like, because uh, my my thought is just like, is is Leo lost or is Perry lost? One of them, just because of this specific scene, it's making me think Leo maybe, and like how he was getting. Hook it, mm. you know, cheating on, uh, his. Yeah, his I like partner. that. But um, then, what would what would Perry be like?
3: I would say I, I would know. say I probably Perry would be lust because of the origin. Yeah, all yeah like it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> they're all greed. Greed, greed, greed could, could be the house, but, glut- but I mean, yeah. technically, gluttonous could be gluttony could be the same as lust in a way. Like you could be a glutton for you know you don't have to be it doesn't have to be about food. It could be overindulging in drugs party and life everything that can be so they could be similar i don't know how you do like wrath like wrath could be kate siegel's character man she's she seems pretty relentless yeah Mm -hmm. i mean we could we could go there envy
1: would be uh tam because she's like envious of the brother and she's like weird with the whole yes there's something there and then greed fits for the whole house or even if it's just i mean you could do six
3: sins and they're all greed
0: Who would be sloth? That's laziness. Like, is any of them lazy?
3: Maybe that's that's Leo. That could could be Leo or Perry. Because, but Perry doesn't seem like that's the whole thing. Like, he's everyone thinks he's lazy, but he's really not. Like, I love the scene where Leo is like, "Bro, once you just once you figure out like what you have in that brain of yours, you're gonna conquer the world." Like, you know, and he's saying, you know, once you get it out of your head that this nightclub thing isn't it, but you'll find something, you're gonna be the man. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if, if Sloth works for Parry or not, unless it's just like his, their perception that the, the siblings have of him. Um
1: people, people associate gaming and stuff with laziness so like that works. For actually, Leo.
3: actually, Sloth could be Frederick just because they do say that he's like an idiot, even though he did. I thought he did good in the in the meeting, even though it's, yeah. it's like you're just co- coached up verbatim what to say. Yeah, he's media trained by the Pym sure. Reaper. Probably could be, be tough sloth. to pin somebody down for
0: We need more This is a yeah. great, I love it Let's mm-hmm. keep this in our brain as we watch 3 and 4 Because we need yep. more information on these people We got so much information on Perry I can't wait for like Everyone to get their own episode and like Just dive into their personalities It's gonna be fucking
3: mm-hmm. lit And this, this is similar to Hill House where we were getting More for each sibling yep. Per episode Like mm-hmm. I'll never forget like when we we're talking about um Hill House on the on the pod and we we were like gosh we love Kate Siegel's character as yeah. <laughs> she had her own her own episode
2: yeah um,
1: so i'll just clean up just two quick scenes before we jump back into yes, like another set of bucket but all that we see is Vic's monkey dies Mm-hmm. And then Roderick, we, we kind of hinted at that conversation. He's really pushing for these to hit human trials so he could probably save his own life. That's one thing if you want to say anything. And then Cam- Camille, Camille or Camille, 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 Camille. Yeah, she just watches the court trial and comments that like nobody's there. Nobody's going to go back. I don't know how important either of those scenes are.
0: Yeah. So I thought for sure, like moving on. Did you have something to say about that, James?
3: All I was going to say is that it was important that it seems like the 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 partner of vic has a head on her shoulders and isn't really corrupted by the family and she really Mm -hmm. does just care about their work you know Vic was what'd you say (laughs) oh informant Informant. yeah (laughs) vic was uh you know putting in the adrenaline and then the partner i forget her name i apologize was saying you know well if the monkey didn't die then the whole thing the whole trial would have been poisoned anyway it wouldn't have been good you can't bring it back to life the whole point is to test the 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 device and um so you know she seems like she has a head on her shoulders and maybe maybe that could allude to inform but that also just seems like it's too obvious and then um the i think there's something that we're gonna have to find out about camille and vic like why camille hates like there's a scene where the igby rigney's character says like i hate my sister but i mean jesus (laughs) you know and she's like i'm gonna forget you said that you know there's something there and we'll find it out when we get one of their episodes i'm sure
1: is there anything with camille and and tam's husband because that's the second time she kind of is like Hypers. Watching his workouts and stuff.
3: Yeah. I don't know agreed. if that's
0: anything. Yeah. agreed. I think she maybe maybe that's um what is what is the sin that's like um Envy.
1: That would be Envy. envy right? Yeah. But yeah. I
0: agree that it's probably um
1: Tam the cuck <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but either way well we can talk about that more later if we want but let's move on to the next piece here i know we don't have the gym it okay much longer
0: so yeah quick scene we get a drip on the phone that's when you're like i thought for sure he was gonna like touch the drip and be like Damn, what was that yeah <laughs> you know i really thought that was gonna be like the i i didn't know if he was gonna get poisoned by that one little drop or it really was gonna be the sprinklers but he's like the sprinklers start the fuck fest um and then they're hooking to the tanks But this is when we get the quick little line where Perry is saying, remember the golden rule, whoever has the gold makes the rules. And then we flash back to Roderick and Augie. And it's so interesting because they're like, everything started with hot mama at the bar that night. But now they're saying everything starts in the office of Rufus Griswold, Mm -hmm. which is so uh, uh, like, it's so interesting because I'm like, there feels like there's a bunch of origins, right? In the office with Rufus, whatever they do that night, I mean, it could lead into the hot mama stuff, or is it back in the day with their mom, Eliza? You never know. But um, so he's the original cocksucker, played by Michael Truco, and he's <laughs> getting his by a young Roddy. And, you know, people in pharma show fucked up. We already talked about the pitch. He did a great job. And I think it, you know, appealed to the God complex, and you're going to get um, where you need to with some certain men. But this is where we get the first wife, Annabelle Roderick. Is that the first time we get a name drop? And it's the first time we see her, right? We don't see her in one. We only see her in this. No, that's
3: the first time we see her. Yep.
0: Yeah. So I think you're right. I think it is going to be Camille is the baby crying. And then even a young Frederick then is like, shut her up. Like he hates it. He hate he, he would have rather been an only child. For sure, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, the more um, the more interesting in the piece of this, yeah, was the Maddie talking, like having that meta conversation nice. about algorithms, <laughs> and I guess isn't that what he calls her sister? He says Maddie, right? I don't
0: know. I don't know. That I don't, I don't I know, that, but, I but I like I Maddie. That. I'm gonna go
1: with <laughs> I, Maddie. I could have sworn that he called her Maddie in one of the early kid scenes, but maybe I'm just maybe I did that for note taking purposes. Either way, <laughs> Maddie. Uh I've been saying Rod and Maddie like the whole time. Yeah, Whatever. they do Roddy. say Roddy. Maddie. They
0: say. The, yeah. Roddy.
1: The meta conversation she has about algorithms and the future of algorithms was so just like very cool. It was just like there, like talking about like obviously modern day like Netflix and all that stuff is like algorithm based. So that was a cool conversation and that really defines her whole character, especially when she gets into the immortality stuff in current day 2023. So this is just like you can it's just building on the base of her character and her personality and what she cares about.
0: Can I put something on the board? I wrote a guess that I think Madeline is going to kill Annabelle somehow because we don't know how she dies. And I think mm. that like in this scene, like Roddy's being super cheesy and she's like gag, throwing up, hate this. Mm-hmm. And I think that like she probably thinks Annabelle is softening him. And he's mm-hmm. always been kind of the weaker one, obviously, even when they were kids and when they were teenagers and everything he's her, So at some point he does get to be the Roderick we know in current day, which is a savage himself. So I'm going to say that she somehow kills Annabelle. I don't think he knows she killed Annabelle, but I think we're going right. to get that in some sort of uh, capacity and something. A question,
1: I have a question related to Madeline. Um, this could have just been a weird line, but earlier I didn't bring it up earlier in episode one when they when it's it's Augie talking to Roderick and he says, like, Oh, do you want me to go get Madeline? She's in the basement. Was that like a thing? Or did it, either of you guys pick that up?
0: Uh basically he I, I just took that as like I think oh, he was messing Madeline's with Madeline's That's what no. I that's what
1: I was getting oh, okay. at. I didn't know if it was I think he was saying because
3: like like, I think it was because the 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 point was he was saying, You've never had me in the room before. Yeah. And I think he was trying to be like, oh, you want to go talk to Madeline? She's downstairs in the basement. Like, I don't know. I, I Yeah. But I, that is something we should have brought up.
2: Yeah. That's that was, why I didn't something bring it that up. goes
3: by yeah. in your in your head in episode one, because you're still trying to get who each character is. Because when yeah. I first heard it, I had to rewind because I was like, is he talking about his mom's in the basement? What's her name? Like, because I, you know, I, I wasn't fully like, is he saying his, he has his dead mom in the basement still? Like, I, I didn't know fully what he was saying. And then I rewound it and I saw Madeline or heard Madeline. So
0: I took it as, one, it's kind of a drop that they live together, and two, I took it as he says, like, she's even more elusive than me, I'm pretty sure. You've never even come close to her. You've never been in a room with me, but you've never even, like, came close to her. Yeah. So I think it was just, uh, like, a show of that, like, you know, the elusiveness of the Usher family. I I didn't read too much into it, but it could come back.
1: And that's and that's, that's fine. That, that's the reason I didn't want to bring it up at all, because it was yeah. probably just meant to be that. But it could come back, you know, as like a red. I think she's
3: fully out. the big bad, if you want to say big bad mm-hmm. of this family, meaning she's the brains. Roderick's fine. Like he's like he's now, like you said, Kathleen is savage. He's boss man, this and that. But she you could tell in this episode in the scene specifically, Luke, that she's the the brain. She's the genius. Annabelle calls her a genius. I I really do think that it could be that she's the informant just because like she controls everything. And just like the fact that she's not happy about Annabelle softening Roderick, it could just be that she's sick of her brother at this point and she's not showing it outwardly to us. She's
0: always lurking. She's always around. She's in every scene where you're just like, are y'all fucking is this like a Cersei Jamie thing? What's going on here? I, have I, like I one really
3: second. I think Willa Fitzgerald. I, I really want to see more of those timelines because I think she was killing it in the scene in the bar scene where she again. He's kind of being like, what should we do? Like, what do we, And she's like, all right, we're coming here for a drink. We're yeah. here for enough time. You know, and we already talked about it. But she specifically has the whole thing thought out in her head. Yeah. And she's calm, cool and collected. He's kind of freaking out and, and, you know, and she just jumps into the politics talk when the, when Werner shows back up. I I just, she's the best.
0: She is the best. I love her. I love Maddie. Um, Quick scene with the AI version of Lenore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Interesting. So weird. Like obviously Madeline is just, she's making her like write in a journal and for four months straight and do all these things. And like, something seems so like shameless to me to be like, She's just obsessed with immortality. So it's like, is this an immortality thing? Or is this like you're trying to make money off of putting her in a video game or something and like gather data? God or complex, what is it?
3: man. I think yeah. she's she's just the all-powerful, like, I'm going to live forever type. I think that's fully what she wants. I, f- I feel like she just wants to live forever. And, you know, we can jump ahead. So I I thought it was hilarious how they brought up the AI writing scripts and and TV shows oh, so and then they're good. like that's back in the, the the scene where you're talking about Luke when they're younger mm-hmm. and Zach Zach gilford's like can't be that good though and it's just crazy <laughs> how they're having this conversation right now during the strikes yeah. where this was obviously written before that and yeah. I know it was probably like on the radar that that was the problem coming yeah. but it's just it's just funny how that's dropping now
0: Michael Flanagan what a dude. All right, so now we're pretty much in party land. We don't really need to talk about Bill and Tamerlane and get unless you wanted to with their like intimate dinner. I I guess my my one question is, who do you think she is cosplaying? Is it Tamerlane? Like is she yeah. imagining them on like a first date? Okay. So That's I wasn't sure I if she was trying to be someone else, like maybe a fucking one of the other siblings. It's not, none of the other siblings looked like look like that, but well, I wasn't sure if there was going to be someone that she was like watching these two people go on a date or if she was watching herself go on a first date with her husband or like an But Isn't it like
3: date. one of those things where sometimes the point of it is that you're a stranger?
0: I don't know. I she's like you got the clothes right you got the like your hair oh, like things yeah. like that. So it I made it know. seem like yeah. she was trying to be something specific.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, don't I don't know. know. Okay. We'll thing, see later. So. <laughs> I'm sure
0: in her episode we're gonna get a fuck ton of it, I'm sure. Okay. So Perry goes to Freddie's house, and do we have a name for the wife? I'm like a real. I didn't write that down for some reason. Um, I don't know. I don't know that we do. I really don't. But anyway, I'm sure she has one, but I'm not looking it up. Anyway,
3: is it a uh, Morel? Could be. I think it's Morel. Crystal Blanc- balance Morel Usher. Picture Morella Usher. Whatever. The
0: perfect She's cock in your hands.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Start that over again, because I and talk in your all mouth. over it.
0: No, picture the perfect cock in your hands and your mouth or perfect pussy without faces, (laughs) words or judgment. Like absolutely insane. But she's um, buying into it. You can tell like she's like, how dare you? But he knows he's got her Um, crazy that he has like burner iPhones. Insane. The amount of money these people have crazy. But he throws the invite out. And now it's party time. And she does go. So she bounces. She tells them, I'll be out. You know, my friend, she's in a bad way. Who knows how late we'll be out and lies. And then we're at the fucking party. And uh, Hot Mom is there in red at some point. But if we want to talk about just in general, the party, let's have a have a discussion on it before we get to the goriest scene of of Flanagan history, for sure. Well,
3: first of all, this is. More R-rated than Flanagan's ever done in general. Totally. Not a lot of his shows Sexy. curse a lot. Not a lot of his shows. I don't think any of his shows ever showed nudity before. I think this is the most R-rated
0: content Definitely.
3: Flanagan's done. Obviously, I'm not like upper elite who goes to these parties, so I have no idea if these things exist. But I thought it was cool how like it, they created like the little app thing and you click on it and it's you know like the skull it's the skull yeah click on it that that stuff was kind of cool but it's it's just wild it's just a freaking rave and
0: i was like
3: i don't know what to talk about except for the fact that the meat of it with verna and also the wife uh frederick's wife being there
0: okay question did she get out in time
3: yes yeah
0: Okay, because you don't see her walk out the door, do you? you? just see Hot Mama say go. Yeah,
3: but I'm just guessing. Yeah, Hot
0: Mama gets all the innocence out. So she's,
1: is that what that was? Leaving. Because, because it, is it... Yeah, it,
0: it was the so workers. It's,
1: if it's, it's going to be about the innocence, then it doesn't necessarily matter about the... It doesn't necessarily matter about the name. It's more about the blood of the ushers because she's an
3: usher. You know what Correct,
0: I mean? it is the blood. Right. And I think that she... Or it's not
3: her time yet
0: we're going to learn a lot more about this. Like she's going to have to live with be- having been there and like lie to everybody that she wasn't there. Um, But all that footage most likely still exists. So
1: yeah, true, true. That's a going huge back part. to and that what you the were saying of it, right? The yeah. Party, like mm-hmm. to get the blackmail and stuff.
3: Yeah. He said, we make all this money, but this is the real money maker. all this footage. He's like, this is a, I don't remember. Like this is a Senator and this is a celebrity and this yeah. is a first round draft pick. And, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Like there's I don't care how elite and rich I am. If you tell me I'm coming to this party and it's going to be some wild party like this, there's no way that I would I would in my mind think there's no cameras. Yeah, right. I mean, I get it. You're like wearing a mask and all this shit, but it's just I, I don't know if I'm like super paranoid, but these people are all are all crazy just to think they could do whatever they want. And there's no cameras. Mm-hmm.
0: But Perry is looking to make this into a business and like have multiple of these parties. Yeah, and then he's just going to like, <laughs> yeah, he's just going to blackmail these people. Who's coming to the parties? Like, that's crazy. unless yeah. it's like a one party. You get millions of dollars out of blackmail and then you call it a day, but millions of dollars isn't enough for these people. If they're using iPhones as fucking burner phones. So he goes through them like candy he's doing like 10 a day. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it was a great scene. Just like, looking around like crazy to see what I could see. It didn't seem like Frederick's wife actually did anything bad. She was just like shy, kind of in the corner. I think she wanted, I think she was gonna fuck Perry. She wanted
3: Perry, man. Yeah. She actually Um, looked like she was disappointed when he walks away from her at one point. For hot mama. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Verna.
0: Verna. Yeah. Sorry. I guess I'll start calling her Verna. And that's the
3: conversation
1: that's left, right? Is there, is there one-on-one conversation that gets pretty philosophical and this is the conversation thinking about it more I, I am on team like she's the devil now yeah. because she mm-hmm. says uh, it's always the bad boys that come to me which makes sense with just the dealing yeah. with the sketchy people that are in the gray lines like all of that works and she says like we would have had a lot of fun like all of this and I think he's just getting facing the punishment of the Usher curse which is why she says it like that. Like, we would have had a lot of fun. Like, this could have been a deal I made with you at some point if it was the right timing. So I didn't really take anything else out of that conversation besides Flanagan just flexing his dialogue writing and letting Hot Mama act. So it was a good scene. Um, But I don't know anything else there?
0: No, I just love that, like, you're a consequence, Perry, and tonight you're consequential. And then she bounces and, you Mm -hmm. know. I I mean, glorious gore. Seriously. Yeah. So So good, like I. It's October. We're getting this gore. I'm obsessed. Like as I was, um, really impressed with that. I I thought it was like really well done. And it looked fucking awesome. And they're all just like steaming and still kind the of alive. They're
3: still alive. Yeah. yeah. And um, then she puts the mask beautiful. on his face.
0: <laughs> and I think hauntingly beautiful. beautiful. Yeah.
3: I thought that the conversation with Verna was awesome. She's a badass character. I love this, the cinematography where she's in this bright red and you're seeing everything's kind of dark in in the rave besides her. And he's watching her with the bright red, whatever it is, hooded gown thing and uh, cloak, I guess. And then she has the mask, the skull mask that was like very, very noticeable. Mm-hmm. And then she puts it on his face. Love it. And then she tells the wife, go, it was money. Now, here's my question to you. You were bringing up the fact that you thought it, the the water on the phone was going to burn them, but technically, mm-hmm. that was just the that was just the sprinklers dripping sweat, <laughs> dripping wet with sweat. You yeah. know, So <laughs> it's all in um, It wasn't actually the <laughs> poison water, and then they they line into the to the tanks up on the roof, and then that's where they're getting burned. So here's my question: if it wasn't an usher, and Verna wasn't there would that water have burned the water? Sorry. Would that water have burned them like that and killed them? Or do you think it was Verna's circumstance that made it that?
0: No, like, I, do you I, think. I, I thought the tanks are po- full of poison. I thought that was the point. I thought this maybe not, maybe not. I mean, why would they be filled with poison? That's insane. But to me, it was like, this place is absolutely secreting or whatever that word is.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel you like that. Uh, I'm asking the question because I'm not fully sure here. Like, I I think that it would be totally ironic and symbolism if it was really poisoned and he decided himself consciously to go and have this party. And then they turn the sprinklers on and it was all his decision to make sure the sprinklers worked and, and were hooked up to the tanks and everything was his decision. And Verna actually had no part in it I think it's an irrelevant question
0: yeah either way like, yeah you,
1: we can't play the what would have happened because this is what happened I think it's like meant to be like this like everything was put into place through that deal if that's what happened and like all the consequences are a result of that like I don't know if it's even worth like yeah. I don't even know how to Diving answer into anymore yeah, yeah okay right.
0: so I think I can end that by just saying Augie when talking to Roderick is like, I dove deep into every single one of your kids' deaths. They were all like accidental. Like, I know you didn't do them. And Roddy's like, well, let me tell you how I did. Right. So he's going to have something to do with all of them. But is it like, well, that was my facility and I knew there was poison in there. And then he went in there and the poison came down. You know what I mean? Like,
3: no, he Og- signed the, the the devil. He signed with the devil. Well, that's why true, that's his partner. But,
0: all he does say. Everything checks out as accidental, so
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. cops went mm-hmm. and
0: were like, It it wasn't like you know, it would be murder if, if they thought that someone put actual poison in the tanks, and then like it right. wouldn't be accidental if someone put poison in the tank. So at least,
3: well, that's what I'm, yeah. yeah, that's what Luke's getting at because Vern, like the start of this whole thing, everything from the signing with the devil to the moment where Perry dies the whole timeline exists because they signed with the devil. And, and I'm not saying like she snapped her finger and it was full of poison, but I guess that's why it's an irrelevant question because it's like the chicken or the egg. Either way it's poisoned. My last question is what do you guys think about the fact that it seems like Madeline and Roddy both signed with the devil, but really it's only Roddy that's getting killed. Like, or is getting beat up over this. I mean, it's his kids that are all getting killed off. Madeline, you know, we don't know fully, like, does she really love Roderick as a sibling? She did when she was younger. True. Is she, does she have any feelings at all for the kids that are dying? Does she even really care? I would say You know what I mean? So, like, to her, them dying is probably good because it takes more people away from this business that could screw it up. So, did Roderick and this is assuming I'm right, which we don't even know if I'm right, but like, would Roderick have been the only one who signed with the devil, or did they both? And we don't really know what happened to Madeline yet. I really bad, like. Or I
1: like that idea because what if, like you were saying earlier, she's the mastermind? What if she was the one that cooked Roderick into doing the deal on her behalf, so she faces none of the consequences, and it ends with everybody dying but her? Yeah,
3: that Roderick really is the cool seven. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that's... honestly, it could just be too like everyone dies but her, and she thinks she wins, and the one thing she wants is immortality. And then Verna shows up at the end and is like, You think you got past me, Biach? Yeah. And then yeah. she dies. Like that would be cool. <laughs> that would be that cool. Would be re- re- I wrote that shit myself. Me and me and Mikey. Mikey Flanny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, final thoughts. I mean, we got through the episodes. That was fucking incredible. I love talking about these shows with you. It's like the highlight of the pod for me. Um, anything you want to bring up? No, I think, no, I, think I brought, I brought everything
3: I wanted to. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that is the episode. Uh, we'll be back with episodes three and four. We're going to, dr- I don't know how we're going to drop these. These should be able to be dropped right away because of, uh, having screeners. So, um, you should be able to listen to them all like as you guys binge and we're and we also have a Discord, which the link is in the bio. So we'll create a follow the House of Usher Discord chat and we can talk about it if you want. We can talk about anything, like like Flanagan. We love it. We have chats for all the shows we cover. So come join our Discord. Um, Click the link in our bio. It's a fun time. We'd love to talk to you and hang out. But hit subscribe on Spotify. Apple wherever you listen. You can follow us on socials at Benchtown TV. Give us a follow. Talk to us if you want. Send us an email. TV at gmail.com. Um, yeah, we're having a blast. So come join us for the rest of the episodes. We are benchdown TV, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.